Hello and welcome to CIO Leadership Live Australia. I'm Cathy O'Sullivan, Editor-in-Chief for CIO and APAC. My guest today is Will Everett, Director of Seven West Media's Product Solutions Team. Will leads the product strategy, innovation and technology transformation for Seven News and the Seven Plus streaming service and has featured numerous times in our CIO 50 Australia. Welcome, Will. How are you today? I'm great, thank you, and great to be here. Great, great to see you again. And we're going to be chatting a lot about streaming today, which is uh, definitely one of my favorite topics when it comes to technology. Um, but bring us back. Tell us a little bit about your career journey. How did you How did you end up in technology in the first place? Certainly. Um, I really started off doing a computer science degree um, back in the UK. Um, and from that, did the uh, graduate program at um, Fujitsu. Uh, my wife was in kind of a software engineer as well, and literally we kind of um, uh, gave it all up and moved to New Zealand, uh, and that's where I became the kind of um, founding CTO and uh, head of development for stuff.co.nz, and that's really where I began um, my kind of um, media tech career, which I've kind of been more or less in um, ever since. So we we were both stuff alumni. So great that we're chatting again <laughs> a few yeah. years on, and you moved across the ditch, of course, to Australia, and you've been at um, Seven now for a few years. So can you just recap, I guess, what have been kind of some of the key achievements that you and the team have um, have have uh, achieved over the last few years? Certainly. So I um, I first came in from. Uh, into seven into Pacific magazines, which is their uh, publishing business. I had been working at um, uh, Fairfax across uh, the AFR and SMH, but I'd also worked for the um, Times of London, kind of when I was um, back in the UK for a few years. So I was pretty well grounded, um, I guess, in um, uh, publishing. And it was quite um, a, an unusual situation uh, to be in because uh, Pacific Magazines, as well as Seven, had really outsourced its kind of um, uh, digital journey um, to Yahoo. So effectively, um, you know, they hadn't had their uh, digital um, DNA for a decade. So I think it was about kind of uh, six to 12 months when I joined Pacific Magazines. And it was a really, um, it was a great opportunity actually to be able to establish that uh, digital DNA from the ground up and really own that digital uh, transformation. And, you know, that included setting up a new kind of um, video network, rolling out um, Agile uh, across the enterprise. And it was the first time from a career perspective that I had actually owned um, user experience. Uh, and I also owned actual um, uh, audience development as well. So putting kind of uh, UX front and center uh, and making that really important part of uh, what we did really helped us to achieve our kind of um, audience growth uh, goals. Uh, and then from there, I kind of uh, transitioned um, over to the mothership um, at um, uh, Seven uh, Network. And uh, basically uh, from there, initially I did um, I was in a bit, bit of an advisory capacity where I did a, a, a review. We called it the um, Agile um, uh, Target Operating System, where we reviewed the whole uh, business and came up with a, sec of, a set of uh, recommendations of how we could optimize 
uh, the streaming platform, the teams, uh, and uh, ways of working. Uh, and then, yeah, I kind of came on board as uh, director of product solutions, which was effectively uh, product uh, technology. And from there, we really set a new um, uh, product strategy. We we had um, numerous issues. We had kind of uh, siloed teams. There wasn't a clearly defined uh, digital and uh, product strategy. Um, there was kind of fragmentation in in the technology uh, as well. So uh, and and you know a fairly disjointed approach again to user experience and you know the experience you had across those kind of different platforms. And great that you put that user experience front of mind because, you know, especially when it comes to streaming, it is so, you know, it is so personalized and people go on there because they want specific things. So can you elaborate a little bit more on what you've done on the 7 Plus streaming service, especially in terms of, I guess, the AI and machine learning techniques that you've used to achieve that personalization? Certainly. I mean, I guess where we started, um, as I kind of alluded to before, um, a lot of the individual um, applications actually had um, didn't have feature parity uh, across the board. And we actually had competing teams of, I don't know, as an example, the mobile team were competing against the web team to see who could get the most features uh, in. So it was a bit pretty disconnected uh, user experience. So really the, um, the hygiene phase of that um, first step was to define that what we called experience evolution and ensured that the user experience um, was unified uh, across the, all of the platforms. Um, but that also meant ensuring that there was feature parity um, across all those uh, platforms. And, you know, um, I guess there's uh, uh, direct and indirect personalization. So some of the first uh, enablers before we got to um, the more um, kind of AI-driven personalization, uh, we introduced, for example, uh, mandatory sign-on. So before you could come into the platform and not actually have to sign up. Um, obviously, from a uh, not only from a, um, a feature perspective, but from a monetization perspective, it was important um, uh, to get that. Um, once we got that, you know, simple features such as watch list or um, continue watching. Um, all of a sudden, you know, it was giving the um, the user the opportunity to, you know, create a list of what they wanted to view, but easily pick up what they had been um, viewing. So there were kind of some of the basic foundations. Um, and then we kind of, you know, obviously knew the more direct personalization um, uh, uh, was needed. Um, and some key uh, areas where we saw uh, opportunities were, you know, um, a recommendation shelf, so recommended for you. Um, the actual individual's shelves, so, you know, if there's a particular genre, um, such as, I know, um, a, a crime, um, uh, we needed the ability to order um, that content in the propensity um, to view. Uh, and then there was also um, other areas, you know, um, top picks for you and because you've watched and more like this and all these other kind of um, uh, enable enabling kind of um, uh, uh, recipes um, to improve that kind of uh, customer experience. But really, 
um, yeah, the choice um, of uh, not only the partner, um, but also the technology was um, uh, key uh, in all of this. Um, and there was definitely a tendency uh, internally to look at the kind of um, paid, bigger paid for uh, platforms and the niche um, uh, platforms in this regard that, that were kind of providing this technology to broadcasters and streamers um, uh, globally. But an important part uh, for us and their kind of um, products, uh, well, product managers and engineers, we wanted to own uh, part of that journey. You know, I didn't want to outsource, I guess, the interesting problems to a third-party vendor. I wanted my own team to own that journey. And, you know, we recognized that um, there might be some upfront time um, coming up to speak stuff. But, you know, in terms of talent retention uh, and keeping the best and hiring the best, that was definitely one of the goals of uh, what we were trying to do. So one of the partners for this was was AWS. Um, so can you give us a bit of an overview, I guess, on what that partnership entailed? As you said, you know, you wanted your team to work on the more interesting things and and outsource some of it. So what kind of products did you use from AWS, and and how did they align with those goals that you had for for your streaming service? Yeah, I mean, we had already uh, ran. Um, a project with AWS, which was to do with um, fast channels, so uh, free ad-supported uh, TV. Um, and with AWS, they obviously provide a service, provide a bit of support, um, but it's really for you to get under the hood um, and kind of do that uh, self-learning. Um, and through that process, um, uh, you know, I think we were the first to adopt the technology uh, it was called Channel Assembly. We were the first to adopt the technology in uh, APAC and I think third uh, globally. So I think part of it for us is, you know, looking at those emerging technologies and where we can um, get quick results um, uh, for the business. So going through that process, effectively, that was the start of our fast channel um, uh, business. And in our recent seven upfronts, you know, that was called out as the third tier of our kind of um, programming uh, strategy. Um, that all came off the back of doing some experiments with um, fast channels, and we've now got 55 uh, fast channels. Um, again, that came from doing the POC and then just really growing, experimenting, taking a test and learn approach. Did a very similar thing um, uh, with AWS uh, Personalized. Now, to begin with, um, it wasn't our actual uh, first choice. Um, another uh, big tech uh, giant, let's just say, um, we kind of um, uh, explored um, uh, partnering with them and they were looking to make us, a, uh, I guess, a global case study. Um, and, you know, it was pretty uh, enticing. Um, but then we looked at the uh, maturity of the platform and the local uh, support, and it wasn't quite where we uh, needed it to be. Um, unfortunately, I'd done such a hard sell internally, um, it took a bit of time to get um, everyone on to the next um, uh, solution. Um, but, you know, the approach uh, taken um, to AWS was, um, you know, we picked off a use case, which was the recommended um, uh, for you. Um, and we ran a, a, a proof of concept. Uh, and then we presented it to the main digital leaders um, in the business across marketing, uh, commercial and programming and got their kind of uh, buy-in 
and that was really the start of the journey. Um, and I, we're about 18 months into that journey now. Um, and we're just kind of um, rolling out a new feature kind of every month or so. Um, but I think one of the big things about it, it's not a set and forget when you release that kind of new capability. Um, you know, we try and get it to the best point we can do when we first release it. But tweaking the algorithm um, is really an iterative approach. And even even the first kind of uh, capabilities that we've released, you know, um, a year ago, we're still tweaking and um, uh, evolving. So, and I think, you know, it's an interesting from an exec um, uh, perspective of like being able to say, oh, here's going to be a 12-month roadmap of what we're going to deliver. We weren't able to do that. So part of it was kind of, hey, we're going to do a POC. Look what we can do really quickly. Um, but as soon as we could, we did develop that kind of longer um, uh, or uh, more horizons of what we could deliver by when. Uh, and now we're pretty au fait with the tooling. Um, you know, um, I've probably gone too far out. I've got a two-year roadmap of personalization um, uh, to deliver across the, um, uh, the platform and, you know, we're very much value driven. So that's been, um, really just picking off the pieces that are, um, you know, lowest investment, quickest, um, uh, returns. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, sounds like you've got a lot more work on the cards as well with that two year roadmap, but just bring it back again to the partners there. I mean, how do you ensure that, you know, the partners that you choose are scalable and, you know, adaptable ultimately, because, um, you know, there is so much advancement coming along with with AI and streaming technology. So how, how do you make sure that the partners you choose can go with you on that journey and scale up? Yeah, absolutely. I think um, one thing for us, you know, we probably about have four or five key partners that we work with uh, on a regular basis and, you know, um, more or less the same partners for the last two to uh, uh, two to three years. Um, with all of those partners, especially kind of, um, I guess, uh, you know, um, core engineering is done internally, but we kind of, um, you know, have certain partners to help us kind of burst capacity uh, uh, when we need to. Um, the key for us with um, all of those partners uh, and teams, for us, they're just an extension of seven. Um, therefore, they're part of our um, culture uh, and values. And that boils right down into the individual atomic teams where they might provide, um, you know, uh, engineers or experts into those teams. We treat them as if they're um, uh, part of seven. Um, now, there's some risk uh, to that because you know we work on a quarterly capacity um, uh, agile model. Uh, effectively, my product managers, um, uh, tech leads are responsible, and delivery managers are responsible um, for that kind of you know uh, quarterly output deliverables and um, uh, focus. That means you know um, we work to a burn rate. Um, now, um, all the risk is on us. That means, you know, there's no kind of, um, you know, need to fill in a change request because that's gone over time and, um, uh, and all that, you know, my, uh, my, uh, background is project, um, uh, management, but, you know, first got into agile, um, kind of like, you know, 10, 12 years ago, 
uh, and have never looked back. There's no better way of doing product development than, you know, having, and it's not, it's not just agile. You've got to know that there's, um, uh, gaps in agile. It doesn't answer everything. So you just got to make sure you've got all the components, uh, uh, in and around it. But I think a partner that is willing to, uh, adopt your ways of working, um, and to have that, uh, agility um and to work with you and you know uh, i think it's in the it's in the name partner you know we're not looking for vendors we're, lo we're looking for partners um they're the ones um i guess you know one of the key things one of the things i love about um uh, aws as an example they're not just trying to sell me another bit of tech they're actually trying to solve like um my um you know uh, business problems and how i can grow the business so um, I think that that's, you know, and that's what all of our um, partners have in common. You know, they're not just a, a tech vendor, you know, they're a business partner. Absolutely. The ones that can understand the problems and help you solve them are, are definitely the, the, the good ones. So, um, well, how are customers then, you know, your viewers, how is the audience reacting to the changes? Have you seen any improvement in, in engagement? You know, how has customer feedback evolved? How's the old app score in the, uh, in the, in the app store going? Yeah, look, um, you know, we've obviously had a few events, um, in, in the last two or three years, um, it's really been rolling. You know, we went from, uh, the Olympics, which got deferred by you in 2021. Then we had the winter Olympics. And it was the Commonwealth Games, and then more recently, it's been the um, uh, Women's World Cup. And you know, um, during the Women's World Cup, we set Australia's streaming record as the biggest um, uh, ever event. So it's it's kind of like um, uh, it was awesome to have pretty much the whole of Australia come onto our platform um, uh, and get really engaged. And we had so much positive feedback. Um, during those kind of high scale events, because, you know, it's not just about kind of providing that um, uh, perfect uh, experience. It's also about, you know, doing it at scale. Um, so um, from a personalization perspective, um, yeah, all the elements uh, across the ecosystem are the best, the best performing sites, more or less, of the personalized uh, uh, ones. And, you know, we're seeing between like, um, a 30 to 40 percent uh, growth uh, off the back of that um and um now i guess for those areas now we've seen that kind of uh, growth from going from curated to personalized um it's about squeezing all the juice out of it making sure you know we're now looking for that kind of two three percent growth um so even though we've achieved that growth there's more uh, to come and then there's other areas we can kind of um uh, look at and you know um we've definitely had um kind of um even from a customer support team perspective we've got more users on the platform than ever before uh and the rate the rate of kind of um issues whether it's coming in from a, a ticketing system or social have dramatically dropped as well so um <clears throat> yeah you know awesome user uh, experience and personalized uh, environment is key, but you know, just making sure the basics work and making sure that it's as seamless and frictionless as possible 
um, is also important. And, you know, doing that when you've got a million users on the platform um, and, you know, you've got 20,000 registrations per minute uh, uh, happening, um, that's that's when, you know, you've got to make sure you've got the best, the best tech talent uh, in the business. Indeed. And, you know, great to hear that you did have that record, especially during the, the Women's World Cup and, and seeing that pressure, I'm sure, on the system really come into play. Um, so, you know, with such a competitive environment, you know, there's so many international and local players now in, in streaming. How do you, I guess, stay ahead of the competition when it comes to user experience, innovation? What, what do you look at? Yeah, look, there's a few pieces of the pie. Um, we're currently running um, uh, Ignite, which is our uh, innovation uh, program. Uh, we actually run it over uh, three weeks um, uh, in terms of forming the teams, um, developing a prototype, and then coming in um, with a pitch. Um, we, for this one, we've actually kind of put a bit of a, uh, I guess, a women in tech uh, uh, feel to it. Um, we have um, seven teams who are all working on uh, different uh, prototypes. You know, they've come from a uh, an ideation, then voting sessions from uh, across the entire business. So you know, it's kind of uh, I guess de democratizing uh, innovation as much as possible. Um, but um, we actually pick the team leaders uh, for each of those team, and they're all um, kind of female uh, leaders from across the business. Um, and then we've got kind of four judges, like uh, three um, uh, from the business and then one from AWS. Um, and they're all, um, again, female leaders. So uh, we've put that lens on it. Um, but in, a, uh, in addition to that, the focus of the actual uh, Ignite event um, is generative uh, AI. Uh, I know, incredibly original there. Um, but uh, we've got a lot of sport coming onto the platform. So it's um, uh, generative AI with the use case of, uh, of um, uh, sports. So um, uh, with that, you know, um, in September of next year, we've got kind of uh, cricket um, coming on the platform. And then shortly after that, AFL. So it's, I think it's the first time in streaming history in Australia where you've got the biggest winter sport and the biggest kind of summer sport free um on a streaming service so um you know obviously a lot of pressure to deliver against that uh, for the teams um other other kind of um areas of uh, innovation kind of mentioned before if we see an emerging tech where we can see business value we typically jump on it um you know we, we're a lean focused team so you've got to make good bets and we've been pretty good at making um, those bets um, but I'm also uh, a big fan of you know not reinventing the wheel um, I, I'm constantly talking to um, broadcasters and streamers um, I don't know whether it's in London or New York to see what um, uh, others are up to but we also um, our product team um, also conduct kind of market reviews as well uh, and pretty much every quarter, we're probably reviewing two to three streaming platforms um, out there. Local competitors, we, I think it's important to keep an eye on local competitors, but our focus is more kind of um, uh, international. And when we benchmark ourselves, um, you know, we we 
we see ourselves as the most advanced AFOD platform um, uh, in this market. Um, and we've been able to achieve that um, uh, really through keeping an eye out to those overseas streamers, um, but also, uh, you know, innovating locally as well. And um, I, I guess what's quite, um, uh, well, I, I normally go to London um, one to two times a year, uh, catch up with the likes of ITV and um, Channel 4. Um, you know, I've only been in streaming for three years or so, uh, and I always expect um, to, you know, uh, to be getting insights and stuff or my roadmaps and, you know, uh, getting them to help me. Um, but most of the time I find it the other way around, which I always think, you know, the UK is ahead of Australia in streaming, but actually Australia punch it above, it, above its weight for sure. Absolutely. Well, great to hear. And I'm sure they, they take a lot of valuable um, lessons from you as well, having gone through the journey and and, and learned, the, learned um, you know, from your mistakes along the way, I'm sure as well. So, um, well, finally then, um, I'd love to ask you, what, what do you think the future of streaming looks like? Is there any, I guess, emerging technologies, whether it's VR, AR, or, you know, the metaverse is it still a thing? Do you think any of those will make an impact or is there any other area that you think, you know, really we need to pay attention to for the future of streaming? Look, I think there's um, th things like generative AI, there's things coming out of our Ignite sessions that, you know, certainly sparking um, my interest. You know, there's what we can do, um, uh, you know, for the user experience and our, our consumers, but there's also all the stuff behind the scenes that help, uh, I guess, operationalize and make us more um, uh, effective. So uh, an example of that, um, you know, there's um, uh, tooling where you can, I don't know, say if it's an, uh, an AFL game um, and uh, this AI tooling can automatically pick out all the highlights and create all your short form and mini matches and um, uh, stuff like that. So, you know, there's um, automation and efficiency uh, measures. So it's not just about, uh, I guess, the consumer facing um, uh, part. From a consumer um, perspective, you know, you look at the, the new devices from um, Apple uh, in terms of, uh, um, you know, VR and whatever else, and um, it's pretty impressive. Um, when you know, can sit in your lounge room and um, you know have the screen in front of you a hundred or whatever. So I think you know deeper, more uh, immersive experiences. Um, but I think for one, for one thing for us as well um, is uh, you know connecting the user experience and advertising uh, experience more. So there's uh, a lot more opportunity. Um, whether it's, you know, um, making it kind of e-commerce e shoppable experiences uh, within the ads um, or actual, you know, I mean, you can actually do product placement into existing shows um, as well. So uh, I, I really think the opportunities are, um, are unbound um, uh, uh, for the future. And, you know, um, with when we do, I guess, one of our innovation of uh, events, we're not just looking uh, to do some funky tech. We're trying to deliver business value through um, uh, each uh, initiative. So out of seven initiatives, I would hope at least six, uh, you know, live on the platform uh, within the next six to 12 months. 
Well, it sounds like you've got a very busy six months, if not two years ahead of you with all of the uh, innovation and things that you're planning for the future. Will Everett, Director of Product Solutions at Seven West Media, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you very much.